Welcome to Learned Lag, a podcast about yesterday's Learned League questions and answers. I'm Amanda. And I'm George. I'm in Zephyr A, and Amanda's in Zephyr B. This is season mm-hmm. 27 for me and season 23 for Amanda. And this is day 15 of season 95. Our first question asks, uh, what machine was invented by James Hargraves to revolutionize textile manufacturing and was apocryphally, but probably not actually, named after someone in his family? Uh, who did a thing that inadvertently inspired the development of the machine. Allegedly. Yes. So this, uh, I, I, I kind of had it figured out when it said apocryphally named after. Mm. Uh, and then it sort of said, oh, yeah, the action inspiring it. Uh, this was the spinning Jenny, mm-hmm. which I don't actually know what is, <laughs> but I know it was a textile thing um, mm-hmm. that, sort of had, there was one of the early Industrial Revolution things. Uh, I I believe it predated the cotton gin, but not by much, but still kind of the same Mm -hmm. field of mechanical uh, textile manufacturing, reducing the labor of many people over a long period of time to like one person just kind of sitting there cranking or pedaling or something like that. Mm -hmm. So. so yeah, I just I figured this was a spinning Jenny, and then when they went down to the action of wife or daughter, I figured okay, yeah, it's a a, a woman or girl twirling around probably, and he saw that and said, oh wait, we can do that with a machine <laughs> to to cotton or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, this is one that I I honestly don't know where this knowledge comes from. Like I, I can't a lot of bits of trivia. Uh, I can remember something about how or when I learned them um, because that's kind of how we construct memories and so on. Um, And so this one, I, you know, that phrase spinning Jenny came to mind and I don't know where from. Um, And I did try to think about, you know, make sure I'm not confusing this with the cotton gin, but I thought, no, that's later. I think it's a U.S. inventor, um, and if the, you know, given the person and the motion reference in there, um, you know, it's like gin could theoretically be short for someone's name, but I didn't mm. think so, and it doesn't refer to the person's uh, action that they're doing. Um, and so I, you know, I sort of was like, is spinning Jenny a phrase? Would it even come into my head if it wasn't? Um, you know, I figured this was about, you know, basically uh, spinning yarn on a large industrial scale. And from there, of course, you can make textiles much more quickly. Um, if you think about the spinning wheels that people had in, I don't know, colonial times or what, at, you know, in these earlier days in their homes, um, that was a long and laborious process of twisting, you know, using those wheels to twist and twist and twist the uh, wool or cotton or whatever fiber they had um, into uh, yarn for weaving and that kind of thing. Um, And so, you know, kind of for lack of anything that sounded writer, uh, I also put down Spinning Jenny and and then just wondered where in the world had I (laughs) picked that one up. Um, But that's what I put down. And that was correct. Well done. Imagine. Question two asks us for any of the three women to win a singles tennis grand slam major. 
in the year 2022. So this is one that I've paid a little bit of special attention to, um, you know, not just because I want to have some more awareness of sports and women's sports in general, but um, because I figured it would come up as a trivia question. And the reason for that is um, it feels like there's sort of a turnover or a generational change or something happening, especially in, in women's tennis, um, you know, with the apparent departure of Serena Williams and just kind of these new stars who are kind of uh, getting their their own bit of limelight. And one of them is Iga Swiatek, um, who is Polish uh, by nationality, and I'm you know, Polish by background a little bit. So I kind of keyed in on her victory at one point. Um, I also thought, you know, there, there's Emma Raducanu, um, who is a British player, but of Romanian derivation. Um, and I, I wasn't quite as certain, like I thought both of them had won something pretty big. Um, but I was absolutely certain that Sviatek was, um, in that, Grand Slam winner category, and I was just a little bit less certain about Raducanu. Um, and so uh, I couldn't think of any of the other two or three or, you know, whatever that I, uh, that we were asked to name. Um, but we only had to name one, thank goodness. So I went with Swiatek. Uh, I remembered that there was a Polish woman who won one of those. Mm. I remember us sitting in our dining room and you saying, this is going to be a question. I, 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 remember, <laughs> I got to remember this. And I remember thinking, yes, I also have to remember Iga Swiatek's name. <laughs> and then not remembering it. Oh, no. I do not have the facility for remembering Polish names that you do. Yeah, I'm kind of used to it. I knew it wasn't like your standard kind of something Owskis or right, something like that. Right. But I wasn't going to land on it. Mm-hmm. So I figured, okay, I know how many other women's tennis players who are currently active. I know Serena Williams. I feel like she didn't win any majors this year. This was kind of her farewell year, season, whatever. And Mm -hmm. she got bounced kind of early from one that I, kind of like startlingly early from one that I remember. And then Mm -hmm. made it away, made made a run in another one, but ultimately fell. Uh, So I tried to think, okay, what's the other one I know? I know Naomi Osaka. I know that uh, she dropped out of one, but I felt uh-huh, like that was uh-huh. last year, maybe year before. Like, it was kind of a while ago. And is she back on top of the tennis world? Perhaps. Hmm. Um, so, I, I, for for lack of anyone else, uh, because I, I follow neither tennis nor women's tennis mm-hmm. uh, in particular. So, uh, I had nothing, so I said Osaka. Uh, Iga Swiatek was one of the correct answers, as well as Elena Rybakina. And Ashley Barty, um, the latter of whom I remember reading I, about I some. Heard, because I have heard of her at least. I recognize the name much more than I did Rubikina. That was the Australian Open, I want to say. And so. she is Australian, yeah. so that was kind of a, a notable bit. But I, I would not have pulled that name yeah. in a year. Uh, question three asks us kind of an interestingly <laughs> basic uh, yeah. geography question. Um, asking us to name the most populous and least populous countries in Central America, which does not count Mexico or Colombia. Yeah, it kind of gives us a hint there. Seven countries, not counting Mexico or Colombia. So that kind of also says, okay, we're not counting Caribbean stuff either. Central America is right. just the continental ones yes. between Mexico and Colombia. Uh, so I had to think, okay, what are the small ones? The small ones probably are going to be the least populous 
there's uh, there's Costa Rica and El Salvador. There's Belize. I think those are the smallest ones. Panama is small, but I think it's bigger than the other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's definitely more populous than those. I think it's kind of in the middle. Uh, so I, I gotta think: is it Belize? Is it Costa Rica? Is it El Salvador? Okay, one of those is only on the Pacific side. I think that's Costa Rica. One of those is only on the Caribbean side. I believe that is Belize. So I think El Salvador goes all the way through. I've been hearing a lot about El Salvador lately. Uh, I believe their president tried to go like all cryptocurrency, like peg their yes. their currency to Bitcoin or some nonsense I like that. I think you and were of right. Course people are suffering because of it because mm-hmm. it's a terrible idea. Um, but I thought, well... That kind of seems like the sort of thing that the smallest of something would do. Mm. Like it's a, it's a, kind of one of those crazy schemes you can get away with if you're not a larger country. Fair point. Um, in in my own uh, work experience, I, I liken this to the fact that one of my company's clients is Wyoming. We sell Medicaid management software. One of the reasons that Medicaid management software is very important in Wyoming is basically everyone in Wyoming is on Medicaid. Ah. Not because they are poor, but because they are small enough and they get and they had enough money coming in from oil for many years ah. that they just decided, tell with it, we're just gonna insure everybody in the state. Huh. Um so it's it's a like a much broader system than it is in a lot of states by percentage. Interesting. You can get away with that when you've only got seventeen people and a cow. Right. Uh so okay. Let's go with El Salvador for the smallest one. For for lack of any better reason. Okay. Uh, turn to the book to the largest ones. All right, you got Honduras, you got Guatemala, you got Nicaragua. The last one's Panama. It's not Panama, so it's one of those three. I think okay, Nicaragua is fairly large. It's very central, even within Central America. It was very important in the 1980s to American foreign policy, maybe because it has a lot of people. That doesn't quite work for me. So it's Honduras or Guatemala. Which one are we? Honduras, I believe, is the farthest north. I believe it's the one that borders Mexico most directly. I thought that was Guatemala. Okay. Where were <laughs> you 10 hours ago? So if You'll it's soon the find one out. That, yeah, if it's the one that borders Mexico, then maybe it's also the most populous because obviously Mexico is much more populous than all of the other ones. Maybe it's, you know, kind of, it's not necessarily, you know, moving downward, most populous to least populous along the isthmus, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, maybe if it's, if that's the, the closest one, then maybe it has a lot of, uh, not necessarily cross-border traffic, but a lot of population clusters in that area. Mm. So it, it would stand to reason it has more people generally. So, all right, we'll go with Honduras. Honduras and El Salvador. Okay. Uh, so this is uh, the second answer of the day that comes to me from the mists of my brain <laughs> that I don't... I, well... It's a little less misty. I, I think that I quite simply read somewhere along the way on the internet. Maybe it was in the Future Crunch newsletter, which everybody should be reading. It's great. Um, that mentions a lot of the ecological initiatives that you know countries in all over the world, but all including in Central America, have been uh, pursuing. And so somewhere, somehow. Each of these two facts, the most populous and the least populous, lodged in my brain. Um, And so I really was pretty sure that Guatemala 
was the largest. Um, I believe it's the one located nearest Mexico. And I think kind of consequently, like if you think of the flow of people coming down that, you know, Central American Peninsula, I guess, in terms of settlement, um, you know, that's going to be the next place where they are concentrated, I guess, um, after Mexico. Um, so I was pretty sure of Guatemala. And then I was pretty sure that Belize was the smallest. Um, just thinking about relatively, um, again, I think it was kind of in that context of ecologically, you know, what are they doing to protect their, you know, oceans and, and coastlines and, you know, that kind of thing, wild areas. Um, you know, a number of those countries are doing really nice, amazing things actually, um, and Belize among them, I think. Um, but I think I must've, you know, that's, that's something that tends to get mentioned in that newsletter context, you know, so-and-so, the smallest the smallest country in this region is doing X, Y, Z with their, you know, to preserve their, you know, ocean, um, diversity, that kind of thing. So I was pretty sure of Belize. I, I considered Costa Rica. I considered, uh, was it El Salvador that I thought of? I think so. But I, I thought, no, I'm pretty sure those have a little bit more. I think Belize is the tiny one. Um, so I went with Guatemala and Belize in that order. And that was correct. Yeah. Good job. So, yeah, I, uh, here, here is my problem with Central American geography. Costa Rica, <laughs> in fact, goes all the way across. Ah, okay. So shouldn't it be Costa Rica? Do they have one coast that's just better than the other one? Be Costa Ricas, I think, for its parallel yeah. grammar. You know? So so they just kind of decided half of our country doesn't count. Screw you guys. That seems rude, frankly. They just can't, They figured the middle part of the country is what doesn't count. We're just talking about the coast. But they're only talking about one of them. They're talking about coast generally. Costa Rica. Coastline. That's a coast. <laughs> and... Then you get into Belize, which used to be known as British Honduras. Oh, right. Does not actually touch non-British Honduras. Huh. It touches Guatemala. That's the problem. <laughs> That's why I thought Honduras was the one, the, the northern one. Because I know that Belize is pretty far north, right up next to Mexico. Ah, okay. So that, that entire area is, frankly, being unhelpful. <laughs> They need to sort their stuff out. Well, that is the kind of logic I cannot argue with. <sighs> Question four. Axa asks us, where does George Strait hang his hat because all of his exes live in Texas? This is another one where I don't listen to country music. I, I don't know where I heard this per se. Um, but Tennessee came almost right to mind. And I went through and did my alphabetical, you know, states song in my head and just kind of like thinking, does any of these sound righter than Tennessee? But I thought, no, Tennessee kind of, kind of hangs together with this question in my head. And of course it's where Nashville is located. And so that kind of makes sense to me as far as being a country music, you know, Mecca, um, in the U S and so I can't really explain more than that. I just put down Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I've heard this song. I uh, I wouldn't say many times necessarily, but several mm. times. Okay. 
being in the army as I was means I had to listen to a lot more country music right. than I would prefer to. Mm. Uh, so I was exposed to a lot of it, especially in the 90s. Right, right. Um, so I, and I'm almost certain that I heard this uh, at a, thanks to a karaoke uh, <laughs> thing at some some base or another over the years. Sure. Uh, and yeah, it's all my exes live in Texas. And I, I thought the lyric was, and that's why I live in Tennessee, but it is one of the lyrics. There's like three or four different ones. I looked oh, it up okay. afterward. I see. Um, but the, that's the, the end of the chorus is all my exes live in Texas. And that's why I something, something in Tennessee, hang my hat, reside in. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, I just, I, I knew this one and heard it as I was reading the question and thought, yep, this is Tennessee. And that was, in fact, the correct answer. I, I tell you, I thought it was an older song than that. Like I, 87 I knew, is pretty old. I, I knew that it was kind of in that sort of pre-big country boom of the early 90s. But uh, I thought it was like a kind of one of those old traditional ones that, oh, gosh. that kind of came back around. Because it was very twangy. George Strait mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. Uh, is, you know, a, a much more country than Garth Brooks type of singer. Sure. Uh, just in his his affect, mm-hmm. and I I had figured that it was one of those really old timey ones that was you know mm-hmm. first played on a guitar constructed out of a cigar box kind of old. But... See, I would have uh, placed it to be later in time, thinking of the kind of music that I was exposed to in 1987 was not country. Basically, mm-hmm. I you know uh, yeah. lots of I think we talked about before how there was sort of like our our quote-unquote generational rock mm-hmm. that involved a lot of hair metal yep. uh, and a lot of other, you know, kind of straightforward rock, pop music, mm-hmm. um, and hip-hop was kind of, you know, coming to the fore. And then classic rock. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like it, unless you sought out right. the country music station. Yep. Like it wasn't integrated together mm-hmm. um, into the mainstream. It kind of still isn't, it feels like. But I would have I would have said this song came out later because of how much later I ever sure. heard of it. Reasonable. Um, I, I heard it, of it in my forties, probably. Yeah, it, it definitely fit in with that sort of '90s catchphrase country. Yeah, where a lot of kind the of songs cheeky... just kind of sounded like they they came up with the bumper sticker first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, at least we both knew it. Yep. Uh, question five asks us, who was John Kerry's running mate in the 2004 presidential election? My first thought was that was John Edwards, right? And mm-hmm. I had to think about it mm-hmm. and think, okay, wait, no, wait. 2004, Kerry was running against Bush. Okay, in 2000, Gore was running against Bush. His vice president was Lieberman. Okay, so that's not it. 2008, right. well, that was Obama and Biden. Yep. Okay, so Edwards definitely did run as the vice presidential candidate, he ran for president a couple times too, mm-hmm. I believe in 2004, and then again in 2008. Okay. Um, but yeah, he, I was pretty sure that he was Kerry's uh, vice presidential pick because I remember at the time there was a guy named Kerry Edwards who had oh. that <laughs> URL, kerryedwards.com. Oh. Okay. And the, the campaign, I don't, I don't remember the, I don't even remember whether they actually bought it from him. Huh. Or, or if he just like you know had this insane spike in traffic uh, right after the VP pick was announced, right? Uh, but I think he was uh, you know trying to work something out with the campaign. But 
I remember reading that and, and remembering, okay, yeah, this is a this is like a very normal couple of names that you could kind of put in any permutation and it would just sound like some guy's name. So yeah, sure. it was Carrie Edwards. Okay. Yep. I'll just go with Edwards. Yeah, I had a, a, a similar thought process minus the the cute URL story, um, which was just like I, you know, initially thought was like, I think this is John Edwards and then doing the same sorting out process of like, okay, back in 2000, it was Gore and Lieberman. Um, and then I could feel more comfortable thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, Carrie Edwards, which is kind of my first, um, you know, that the the campaigns kind of package those names together on purpose so that you, you know, kind of have that branding identity, um, you know, with, and it's, it becomes memorable as a result. Of course, it helps that we all, you know, sort of lived through that election and then, um, you know, it, it's just on this side of American history versus being almost current events because it happened like after I was in college mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of thing. I've been out of college for, you know, way too many years. Um, and so, yeah, I, I also put Edwards and was dead certain of this one and even knew where the answer came from. <laughs> And that was correct. Specifically, John Edwards. Yes. Uh, I believe there was a John Edward at the time who was one of those uh, the psychic psychics. guy. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 But he was the singular one. Yeah, he was singular, all right. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Question six asks us about the band Death Clock, their TV show Metalocalypse, and what programming block mm -hmm. uh, it hailed from. Yeah, that's, um, this is something that I know more or less by osmosis, um, mm -hmm. although I've, I've enjoyed uh, different features in said programming block over the course of time, um, but I, we have a number of friends who are big fans of Death Clock and Metalocalypse, and um, so I know that this is part of Cartoon, Cartoon Network's Adult Swim uh, programming block, which has featured all sorts of things from space ghost coast to coast mm -hmm. on through you know aquatine um, hunger force aquatine hunger force c lab 2020 mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um all of these things i feel like just kind of built their way to archer is yeah. kind of how my yeah is the trajectory a lot of the there. same people are involved yeah yeah um but archer is not adult swim archer no. is fx right no i know yeah, yeah. um but uh yeah, uh, this was Adult Swim, and I was I was like ninety eight percent certain on this one. There, there's always that chance that they kind of switch things up on me when I wasn't looking. I wasn't watching that much Adult Swim necessarily. Um, you know, in that span of time, uh, I was kind of busy getting divorced and stuff. So, um, uh, yeah. So I. I it really, again, is kind of just through overhearing or overseeing, I guess. This is friends chatting in our usual chat room type mm -hmm. location online. Um, so, yeah, I I knew this was Adult Swim. Yeah, I, uh, I, I watched kind of one thing at a time serially for a long time on Adult Swim. Not intentionally, okay. just yeah. that's kind of all I can take. Like, mm -hmm. I remember distinctly... At one point, after I first got a uh, a DVR, uh, recording a bunch of Aqua Teen Hunger Force, and realizing that it is only funny from twelve to twelve fifteen uh, <laughs> at night, and that in the light of day it is simply unamusing. 
Mm. Uh, currently, I believe I am. I believe Rick and Morty is on Adult Swim. Oh, okay. I'm watching that, but yeah, yeah this is, this was Adult Swim. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was the first big thing that came out of Adult Swim, but it Not was at all. a big thing that uh, that came out of it. Yeah. So, I can't remember when it, Adult Swim itself debuted. I'm fairly sure it was well before this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say Space Ghost Coast to Coast was yeah. the first kind of sort of viral, mm -hmm. you know, cult following thing that really yep. blew up a little bit on it. And you'll still find some of those memes online. We all miss you, Brack. <laughs> um, so, yes, Adult Swim was indeed the correct answer for this as well. Which means... I beard it. Yay. Listen to me try to uncap my bottle. Oh, there it goes. Good. <laughs> I got four, which ah. seems to be the motif of the, the season for me. Yeah, uh, I just wasn't wasn't gonna grab on to the tennis player, and well, couldn't. good that consent <laughs> is important. Yeah, and just couldn't uh, couldn't piece together the the Central American one. Just had yeah, had the just right ideas, slipped through your fingers really, somehow. Yeah, yeah, just couldn't couldn't land them. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's I think it would be one of those things if it wasn't somehow a little bit salient to me because of reading up on all these odd corners of the internet that i do yeah. um and uh you know it, occasionally i will read interesting bits from that particular newsletter to you because they really you know come up with really interesting stories sometimes that i would never otherwise hear about or have have no way of knowing about um but yeah it all you know again it kind of all came together um in a very holistic or something mm -hmm. way and i realized later in the day that this was clearly the trivia gods uh um rewarding me for my trivia integrity yesterday <laughs> i i took one for the sake of don't forfeit don't cheat um and so uh see that's what that's what you got to do kids yep. um gotta gotta keep it keep it a hundred or something um but yeah i was i it was this was the kind of one where i clicked submit thinking well this won't be horrible probably and then just each successive answer was like oh i got it oh i got it oh i got it so <laughs> that was kind of exciting it's always fun when that happens indeed well, that's it for today, I guess. Tune in tomorrow for more post-game analysis. And remember, don't forfeit. Don't cheat. <laughs>